So I'm, I'm uh, struck this, this morning by John the Baptist. Uh, every year in Advent, just kind of a little glimmer of, of what Advent looks like. So every year at Advent week, the, Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent uh, begins by talking about the second coming and the judgment that is to come, as we, as we heard uh, last Sunday. And then the next two Sundays every year, Focus, focus on the Gospels anyway, focus on John the Baptist, this person, this, this forerunner, this one who's preparing the way for the Lord. And then the fourth Sunday of Advent always begins to get into the nativity narrative. So, so the, the 24, on the 24th, we'll hear about the Annunciation when Gabriel comes to visit Mary and, and all those amazing things. So, anyway, so that's, that's the deal. So just as I was uh, preparing for this, this homily, of course, I was focused on John the Baptist because he's the, the star of our Gospel passage here. Even though he knows, um, there's another one actually, there, there's another person who's a greater star than I am. I'm just preparing the way for him. But anyway, I was, I was fascinated by him because I've heard, um, I've heard some Bible scholars talk about how John the Baptist was probably more popular than Jesus was. If you think about it, what does it say? It says, uh, so John the Baptist appeared in the desert proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We'll look at that in a minute. But it says, people of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. It's fascinating. So maybe there's a little bit of embellishment going on here, but, but the point is the same, that, that the whole countryside was going out to him and that all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, this great city, uh, were, were like, this is, this is the home of the Jewish people, Jerusalem, the capital city. And they're all going out to John the Baptist. They're leaving the city. It's just like, it's fascinating to think about because think, so, so it says he wore what? He wore um, a camel hair shirt with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. So you just got to think about this. Just imagine one day you're going about your business and you hear that there's this guy who lives right outside, right, right outside of town. And this guy is wearing a a shirt that is made of camel hair and he's got this leather belt and all he does is eat bugs and he goes around he finds like wild honey steals the honey from bees nests like what's your first thought about that there's no way it's like oh i really you know like maybe you'll go out to see him just so you can like marvel at the spectacle of who he is and like maybe make fun of him you know when you're not in his presence when when you're back with your friends and your family like you're not your first instinct is not to be like oh man this guy's awesome i got i gotta get out there and see him and embrace whatever whatever it is that he's calling me to embrace that it's fascinating to like why in the world is he so popular and then what's more so we don't we don't get much um in our gospel passage where it says you know what he's preaching it says of course he's, he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But in the Gospel of Luke, Luke gives us a hint where it says, um, okay, so the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness, and he went into all the region about the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, which we, we just heard. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about how he's fulfilling this prophecy from Isaiah. So we'll hear this next Advent when we come to Mass. But then it says this in verse 7, he said, therefore, to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, so he's speaking to the crowds. In, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, he tells us that he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders. So whether he's speaking just to them or, or to the, the whole crowd that's coming out, this is his message. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit that befits repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, 
God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is his message to the multitudes, Luke tells us. So all these people, for some reason, they see in John the Baptist this, this figure, which is attractive somehow. For some reason, he eats bugs and honey. He wears really strange clothing. And he lives in the wilderness. And people are coming to him. And then when they come to him, he tells them, repent of your sins. But then he calls them a brood of viper. He calls them snakes. Who do you call a snake? A scoundrel. That's what you call a snake. And he says, look, if you don't bear fruit in your life that shows that you're actually repenting of your sins, well, the Lord is going to chop you down with his axe. That's his message. It's like, and yet everyone's coming to him. And they're being baptized. They're embracing Whatever's, and then later on, it says, actually, so the multitudes ask him, like, okay, great, what are we supposed to do? And he says, he who has two coats, let him share with him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Okay, great. So change your behavior. If you've got extra stuff, give it away to those who don't have anything. Just give it away without, without expecting anything in return. Give it, give it away. Okay, then the tax collectors. So tax collectors, these people who had sold out for the Roman Empire, they, they had sold out their own people for the Roman Empire, people who were collecting more than, than they ought to have done. So they're saying, okay, well, what, what do we do? And he says to them, collect no more than is appointed to you. Don't, don't charge anything extra. So then soldiers asked him, okay, great, what, what do we do? Rob no one by violence or by false accusation, but be content with your wages. So in other words, like this, this is, again, like, I, I haven't even gotten to what I want to preach about, but like, it's so fascinating to, to think about, like, John the Baptist is this incredibly popular figure, a more popular person, perhaps, than Jesus. And yet, what is his message? His message is hard. If you don't repent of your sins, he says, he says the Lord's going to chop you down and throw you into the eternal fire. If you don't, not just repent of your sins, but if you don't show in your, the way that you live your life, your behaviors, if you don't show that repentance has been real for you, so that you start to be more generous. You start to cheat people less and less, or you stop altogether. If you, don't, if you don't stop complaining and grumbling about the way that people treat you, if you don't do these things, then your fruit is not real fruit. Your repentance is not real repentance. And yet everybody's coming to him. I just think about that, like, what do you think about this? What if, what if I was to stand up? And I, I understand I do stand up here sometimes and say things like that, so I understand that. But like, what if, what if that was all that I said? Maybe some of you think that's all that I say, and it, it might be. But, but like, what if that was it? What would you do? I, I think, or, or maybe, maybe not you, maybe, maybe some of us, maybe many of us in here have, have faith. And so like, we hear this and we have the same response as the multitudes where it's like, great, great, I want to I wanna hear this. But I think the average person, and maybe even the average Catholic, but for sure the average person living in our country, if you preach like that, what, you're going you're gonna to chase them out of town? Like, no, all they do is they preach about sin and how terrible we are, and, and all they do is preach about hell and, you know, all that, and I'm not, I'm not going there anymore. Right? Like, if John the Baptist lived today, there is no way that the entire multitude of people would go out to him. Or if they would, again, they would just go to see this spectacle. Like, can you believe what this guy is saying? 
It reminds me, when I, so before I went to seminary, I went to college at the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. And in, at the U of M, they have this really big, like, I don't know, courtyard sort of thing where, where there are like huge chunks of grass and then sidewalk in between. And so people do all kinds of different things. They'll like play football or picnic or, you know, whatever. Like they just hang out together uh, when the weather is nice. And without fail, every time I'd walk through this place, there was always uh, these two guys. Uh, this one guy went by Brother Jed, and I don't remember what the other guy's name was, but Brother Jed would preach like this, like John the Baptist. And people would gather around to listen to him. But again, they would gather around to listen to him just to see what he was saying. They weren't like actually embracing what he had to say, because what college student is interested in, in hearing this, this radical, dramatic message? And, and he wouldn't necessarily do it necessarily in, in line with scripture. But, but like, so people would gather around, including myself one time. And, and well, a few times, because it's like, how can you not? You know, like, how can you not? So anyway, so like this, but this was the thing, but no one was taking him seriously. In fact, at one point, I remember there was another college student who, to, to mock this guy while he was preaching, this other college student would stand in front of him and read a children's book to all the students who were listening, just to make fun of this guy. I think that's the general response that someone like John the Baptist would get in today's world. And I'm not you know, that's, I'm not by any means suggesting that this guy was like John the Baptist, but, but the point is the same, that to this call to repentance, it's, it's a foreign concept to us. And I know that even me as a preacher, as, as much as I might call, talk about repentance, as much as I might talk about the judgment that is to come, I know for me as a preacher, even when I, when I think about preaching about these kinds of things, it's like, oh man, am I sure I want to do this? Right now, I can talk about it because I'm just simply observing what John the Baptist is saying. So it's not like I'm, call I'm, just not like I'm calling you to repentance. It's just like I'm amazed that John the Baptist was so popular calling people to repentance. And I just think it's something that makes us really uncomfortable today. And yet we believe that the word of God is divinely inspired. And so what are we, what are we supposed to do with that? We live in a world where well, we don't like people telling us to change our behavior. We, we live in a world where we don't like people telling us what is sinful or not sinful. We would rather the preacher, our priest, just ignore sin altogether or pretend like it doesn't exist. We would love for our priest to avoid saying things like missing a holy day of obligation is a mortal sin. We would love to hear our priest say those things. And yet... This is, this is the message of John the Baptist in so many ways. It's so like, what are we supposed to do about this? And I think, I think in so many ways, when we talk about John the Baptist, this is like, this is where a person's faith, maybe we could say, is revealed in some ways. It's never comfortable to talk about sin. It's, it's never comfortable to talk about things that we should or should not do. Never, ever is it comfortable. And yet, if we have faith that John is who the scriptures reveal him to be, that, that John is the one who is preparing the way for Jesus so that when Jesus comes into our lives, it can be easier for him. Because, by the way, as you've heard me say so many times on so many different occasions, pointing to so many different passages, Jesus himself preaches a lot about sin, about the need to repent, about hell, about judgment, you see, John the Baptist and Jesus are not that different from each other. But for some reason, we have it in our minds that Jesus is the gentle and kind one, whereas John the Baptist is maybe a little bit more harsh. They're not actually that different from each other. But again, if, if, I, have, if I have faith 
then even when the preacher preaches about judgment, even when the preacher points out some things in my life or in your life that are sinful and that we need to repent of them, and if we don't repent of them, then we're going to hell. If I have faith, even though that's uncomfortable, I can be willing to embrace it and say, you know what? My vision, it's limited because I want what I want. And what I want is not always what God wants. My understanding of God's ways, it's not complete. But the word of God, it's true. I have to believe that it's true because if it's not true, then there's no way I would know anything actually about God. If this isn't true, there's no way I would know anything about Jesus and about the ways of the Lord. And so I might not be comfortable hearing about sin, my sin especially, I might not be comfortable about the call to repent, and if I don't repent, then judgment is coming for me. I might not be comfortable about that, but if this is true, and if this is going to lead me to eternal life, if this is going to prepare me to receive Jesus when he comes again, then I think I'm willing to embrace it. I think. But really, that's so much, that's, that's for you to think about. That's for you to pray about. It's for you to take a real examination of your, your conscience, a real examination of your faith, and to say, is my faith real? And if it's real, then I'm going to be willing to embrace this, or I'm actually pushing back on this a little bit, and so maybe my faith, it's not as strong as I think it is. And if that's the case, okay, that's a really great place for you to pray today and throughout the season of Advent. This time for us to prepare the way for the Lord to come, which of course includes a call to repentance. There is no discipleship of Jesus without repentance. There is no salvation without repentance. And I think that's what was so attractive about John the Baptist is that the people, at least at that time, maybe today we've, we've sort of clouded our minds too much so that we don't, we don't really understand it. Maybe today we've numbed ourselves so much to sin or we've, we've become so accustomed to allowing things into our lives, into our communities that don't fit with the gospel so that now the call to repentance, it doesn't make sense as much to us. But at least back then, the call to repentance for the forgiveness of sins to those people, this was an attractive thing because they knew, they knew that the forgiveness of their sins meant salvation. They knew that the forgiveness of their sins, maybe they didn't have a full picture of it, but they knew that the forgiveness of their sins was this incredible gift that only God could give. And so if, if this is what this baptism is about, that means it's, it's a gift that only God can give. And, and I want that. I want that. So to think about that, actually, that it's still today only the case that only God can forgive our sins. And he gives us the gift of reconciliation. He gives us the gift to repent so that God, working through his priest, can forgive our sins. And the forgiveness of sins, what does it mean? It means salvation. It means an abundance of God's grace comes into our lives. That's a gift that I want to receive. Is it one that you want to receive?